Welcome to the Old Fashioned Breakdown Podcast, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and breaking down each episode of the seminal TV show Mad Men. My name is Fola Olakumbi. And my name is Helen Varley. For this show, we will be looking at Season 1, Episode 6, entitled Babylon. So Fola, why don't you give us a very quick recap about what happens in this episode? Well, Helen, in this episode, Don tries to work out how to market Israel as a holiday destination, Peggy surprises the boys, and Helen starts to hate Roger. That's this Helen that I'm talking to now. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we're not, not too far off there. Uh, yeah, so we, I guess we, we haven't, um, just so the listeners know, we, we haven't spoken about this episode yet, so uh, we don't know what each person thinks about it. So, Helen, what did you think of this episode? So I really like this episode. Like I think of of all of them so far, this one has been my favourite to watch. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting episode where it's sort of like really clear what's going on and there's lots of little different things to sort of pick up on that's kind of, I mean, I'm quite interested to hear what your, your big theory is going to be about this episode because I think there's lots of different things to touch on um and obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of my favorite characters in it a lot so jones in it a lot looking fab we get a we get a good shot of her ass at one point which is we which get, is great yeah, incredible shot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and you know i think i think we really see uh, a little bit about all um don's misbehaving and how he treats different women and i think it's just it's just really interesting to see them the all sort of lined up like that like how he treats them differently yeah. and i think we learn a lot about don in this episode we do we do um okay so i, I don't really know how to to get into this because there's so I, I agree there's like so much to talk about in this episode um loads of really really cool things that stand out what did you think this one was about or did you um, all right i think there's a very ob- there's a very obvious um theme to this episode or a very obvious symbol to this episode which i think is is the bird and the bird cage um i think that's such a, a an important part of this episode because i think that really sort of encapsulates for me what this whole thing is about it's about everyone being in the cages that they've sort of created for themselves but also wanting to be outside the cages and i think there's, there's a lot in that that's not just about sort of like relationships but also in terms of sort of careers also in terms of identity and and a lot of other different things um you know and people supposing you know we imagine the cage as sort of like almost like a home that we build all the all the I mean I think you know one of the expressions that they say a lot in Mad Men is like that's what people do or whatever and it's kind of like they that's the sort of hypothetical cage that we put around ourselves is that this is how we're supposed to behave and yet that's not really what people actually want to do and obviously there's a lot in this episode the one thing i will say disclaimer up front yeah. is a lot there's a lot of stuff in this episode about you know um jewish culture and anti-semitism and i'm, I'm gonna put my hands up and yeah. say right now that i'm not like a super expert on any of that stuff um <laughs> so i i did want to do like a little bit of a you know but i think you know, that's such a it's such a Jewish culture in my knowledge of it and my understanding of it is you know I haven't 
met a huge amount of Jewish people in my life. I'm from a small town in South Wales. Um, and I think that there Wait, is you're a... saying there's not... There's not that many Jewish people in South Wales. I, I don't... Well, not where I grew up. I mean, there's more sheep in Wales than there are people. So it's kind of like, you know, it's not that... It was very um, non-diverse where I grew up. Um, and I think, right. you know, I think... But I think Jewish face gen- generally has a little bit of that um, almost secrecy to it. It is almost a birthright. I don't think that they are... You know, they're not they're not like Christianity, who's like desperate to get people through the doors. I think there is a certain amount of, you know, there's a definite birthright to it. Um, and I think it is kind of a hard religion to convert to if you're not born into it. And I think that's sort of really I mean, and the reason I bring it up is because I think with, because of that, I can almost uh, relate a little bit to sort of what Don is sort of like when he's trying to get to grips with what is it how do you sell israel and i think you know i think what we we see with him is is you ultimately you know pete pipes up and is one of the few lines he has in the show about um you know how uh, he looks at research and that kind of stuff and don doesn't don goes to people and i think it's really interesting that he, he, he calls up um rachel and he sort of like wants to take her out uh, and i mean i know there's lots of like is it about that or is it not about that but I think it's, you know, it's a very telling thing that the first thing he does to try and figure out how to sell Israel is to go and speak to a, a Jewish person. And as she says, like she could have been, if she, she could have been born Marilyn and, and it wouldn't have made any difference. It's kind of like, you know, her, it's not something, her, her Jewish identity isn't something that defines her, but it defines her to other people. It, it, it's, it's a label for her and I think that's very much a sort of when we think about things like you know and that's not exclusive to Israel but I mean every sort of country has its own or you know religion has its own sort of identity that you 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 and I mean I don't want to use the word but sort of stereotype that people who yeah. don't have a good knowledge of that faith or culture or whatever it is will jump to those conclusions that they think that you know they know this much tell me more but actually what you know in the first place might be inaccurate um so i just you know i I do want to be very careful when we talk about that because obviously we do not wish to offend anyone and and if we or if i do or if fola does i just wanted to say that that is absolutely not intentional whatsoever we're just ignorant (laughs) (laughs) um okay so that was a lot to take in (laughs) what you just said Um, yeah um the thing that jumped out at me the most i think a big part of this episode is yeah it's definitely the judaism thing right but um from what i've been reading and watching and sort of gathering information on a lot of people have said this this episode is about um this idea of utopias yeah yeah no absolutely i mean i think that 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 quote that she that Rachel says, which I can't remember about the two different meanings of utopia. Utopos is the good place, and utopos is the place that cannot be. Exactly, and I think that's that is such a key. That's but to me that relates to the to the the cages and the and the idea of this bird in a cage. Is it's you know in some form, you know you think of a pet in a cage like all their needs are met, like what they won't they don't want for anything. But then 
that place, if you were a hamster in a cage, you probably wouldn't be <laughs> satisfied. I can't believe I'm saying that. But, you know, you probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't think that. Like, if you imagine if you lived in a house where all your needs were met, like, sure, it would be great sometimes and you wouldn't have any worries. But at the same time, that's not what people want from life because, yeah. you know, you, you people would, you would, need more. You want- You'd want your own agency. You want to be able to do your own thing, right? Even the, even if that was like something ridiculous and crazy, you want to be able to make your own decisions and determine your own future. Absolutely. And that's, I think, you know, that's totally something that is such a key element in this episode. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's worth, before I go on further about what I think the episode is about, it's worth looking at all the different types of um, utopias within the episode because like really what I feel I feel like what happens in this episode a lot of is there's they will show you an essential idea of what a good place is for all the characters so for instance uh Roger's good place in the in terms of this episode is that hotel uh, room with Joan um, but it's not it's not no no uh, I disagree with you there that's not his good place his good place go. is her being locked up in a tiny apartment when he can visit whenever he wants. That's his good place. That's his uh, okay. utopia. Okay. Okay, her yeah, utopia cool. is almost that hotel room because that and that's that's what she wants. That's sort of that's the thing that she's trying to hold on to because she doesn't want to be put in a cage. She wants that whole. I I have this. You know, I get to go to these fancy hotels um, and have this affair, but I've also got my life outside, and it it works well for her. Um, so it's not that but, it's not that specific hotel room. It's kind of hotel rooms in general. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you okay. know, it's that's what I'm, I'm sort of saying is it's very much like a her her utopia is that sort of if we're going to say. I mean, I don't think it is her entire utopia because she does also say you know that she she does see the situation changing in the future. But for now, you know that's in terms of that relationship that is kind of as far as she wants it to go. And that's what well, she yeah, wants yeah. from it. His is, his, so he, I, isn't ha- he isn't at his utopia yet. I think that um, her utopia is is spending time with him. It's not necessarily being with him all the time, right? It's kind of, it's this thing of like, she's she's free to make the choice. Whereas yes, absolutely. I guess what, I guess the, I guess what the, the point I'm trying to make is it's less about him and more about the fact that she's free to make that choice. She can um, she can spend time with him, and that's kind of what she enjoys in that relationship. Um, we've also got Freddie Freddie Lumsden. Freddie Lumsden's the guy that um, that basically you know the guy who's drinking with the orange juice and oh my god, that's hilarious! That bit where he's like in the morning, like making his orange juice with like half yeah. a glass of vodka. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think his um, his his idea of a utopia would be you know the orange juice uh, well the vodka really um it's also the betty utopia where um she talks about and i don't know what you think about this but she talks about she's talking to dawn and she's saying that all she ever does is think about him returning home and you know whether she's when she's like making the food and looking after the kids all she really thinks about is that night that they're gonna spend together um and that's kind of like her utopia and everything um there's so but again i would say it's not oh my gosh no it's not her utopia i don't think it is her utopia i think it's like she is um 
she is in her she's trapped in a hell basically she's trapped in a hell of her own she's trapped in her own cage because she's basically lonely and she and she knows that she's lonely and the only reason she wants him to be there is because she doesn't feel lonely when he's there and it's sort of like so she's even when when she he, he, she knows he's not there most of the time so it's even when it mm-hmm. when he is there it's like a fleeting moment it's not it's not a place where she feels like i think i think utopia is definitely it's it is more of a place than a state of mind and it's kind of like you know as we, we said with joan it's like if there is a place that place is the mm-hmm. hotel room with betty i mean you could say that it's the house, but it's not the house because she's not happy in the house because most of the time Don isn't in the house. So it's kind of like, it's almost like the place, it is the place that cannot be. It's, it's sort of like the second version of Utopia because she's never going to be completely happy there because Don isn't there as much as she wants him to be. She spends most of her time miserable because he's not there. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think... Um... Well, I, th- I think the I think I think part of what this episode is saying, and you know, is all open to interpretation. But I think part of the what the episode is saying for me is that um, you know, uto- the utopia that they're talking about is a state of mind, right? In a lot of the, a lot of these different um, a lot of these different points that that they comes up in the episode, it's it's a state of mind. It's the way people think. And it's uh, it's it's something that people look towards to complete them. So I'm gonna take Betty's for this for for what I'm thinking about. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm gonna for what I'm thinking about. I'm gonna take Betty's um, uh, little speech as her kind of confirming that you know Don is this really important thing for her, and it, and, it, and she she thinks it makes her happy. Maybe maybe it doesn't. But she thinks it makes her happy. So to her, him returning home is this happiness. Because if I feel like when she's saying all that, it, it, she's being as genuine as she can be. She's not lying to him. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't. I don't think she's lying. I think that he. I think that absolutely what what you're saying there is correct. That the idea of him being there all the time is her utopia but i wouldn't say that that's what she's living in now is the only point that i'm trying to make here um is that yes perhaps when he is there she does reach a state of utopia um but for the most part the house is not her utopia because yeah yeah no 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 the house i don't think the house is a utopia no i i think yeah i think i think for what they're saying is um she uh all the characters have this idea this because that's what um that's what rachel says on the date she says that um utopia is a state of mind right and it's an idea it's something that kind of that you look towards but what's really cool about this is when you have a utopia well the, the whole point of utopia is like she like um rachel also says is like those things it's a place that can the, the thing that can never be the place that mm. can never be. Um, and when you get with the idea of a utopia, every time you have a utopia, you also have the opposite, which is a dystopia. Um, so, or the idea that you, there's no such thing as perfection. So what happens on that date, there's like three examples on that date of perfection being sort of slightly muddied. And it also happens with, um, what's his name? Freddie, Freddie Lumsden's little drink. So, 
So Freddie's drinking, you know, orange juice, but he sort of spikes it with vodka. Uh, the um, In the date, um, um, uh, Rachel asks for a coffee and Don suggests that she get an Irish coffee, which is kind of like, you know, a coffee with a bit of vodka, with like alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and there's a bit where, yeah, there's a bit. So when Rachel comes in, she says um, she hopes the grand scheme for the store doesn't have a hitch in it and um, there's also the bit where Don's eating and he spills a bit of food on his tie and um, Rachel tells him that he's usually better made up and she sort of wipes it off there's all these like examples of perfection being spoiled by like a tiny little blip of imperfection in there uh, I think that's kind of yeah that's the idea being that there is no such thing as a utopia and I think that's kind of um explored a bit like in like a really really deep detail later on in one in one of the in like the best scene um so what did you think of the scene where um <laughs> where they're where the, the girls are trying on the lipstick i mean that's the that's for me my favorite scene in this like i just think <clears throat> excuse me i just think you know, it's it's so oh, it's so terrible. They're all behind the 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 one way glass, which you know is quite. He, one of them says something about shouldn't it be called two way glass? Um, but no, the one way glass, and they're all sat there on armchairs, like drinking, like watching them. <laughs> and you know, and you get you get sort of Sal circling them once and critiquing them on their fashion. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of hilarious, really. But I think, I mean, the key to that scene is there's a lot of. And, you know, it sort of comes, I think the stuff that comes before it is really important um, because, I mean, obviously, Joan knows that it's, uh, <laughs> that they can see and she's putting on a show for Roger. Um, yeah. I think the rest of them, I think it's the idea of they're looking in the mirror, they're looking at themselves and the the language around women in this episode is, is especially um, interesting because I think Freddie refers to them as sort of animals like birds or uh, I can't remember yeah. there's another one and like he also calls them moron or do you speak moron Morons. he says like <laughs> yeah, he you does. know and I, th- I think that's so it's so like harsh but I think also and it is a little bit of a critique it's of ve- the writing it's, it's very uh, harsh on this but but the women are also they kind of are morons like the the one that goes <laughs> I don't think she's like a character but the yeah. one where they're like oh Joan's like oh we're gonna do a brainstorm and she's like oh no is that a test it sounds like <laughs> yeah. it might be hard and I'm just yeah. like come on really yeah. would 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 a woman really have said that like I don't know like I do I did feel a little bit like it was a little bit insulting on bit, it was massively insulting yeah I, I, but I think... but just the way that oh. the the, the like an actual woman would reply and say that because I mean I don't know if 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 I mean these are New York women like let's be honest yeah. and like they, yeah, those yeah, are true. those are the strongest most yeah. capable women in the world and it's sort of like for one of them to go oh no a brainstorm it sounds like a test is it going to be Massively. hard Massively, and yeah. it's just sort of I like agree. and it's it's very like the way you know they're all sort of there putting on the lipstick and they all get so excited and the thing is if you did that today i think if you said to a bunch of women in an office oh do you want to try some lipsticks i think women would still behave that way um i think they would still go a little bit crazy and like try all the different shades and stuff like that so i think i think there is a little bit of like i kind of 
I love that scene because I feel like it's very complex and everything that's going on. And yeah. you know, oh, they they call Peggy the the one with the mouse ears or something, don't they? Yeah, and it's like, yeah they do. Yeah, they. Which is you know kind of awful. I noticed. Um, it. I had no. I had no. I had noticed the um the animal thing before, but yeah, you're right. There's a couple of um. There is the um. They talk about um. Yeah, the, the dog playing the piano and um, yeah, um, and Peggy having mouse ears and stuff. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's just, it's very like, I don't know, and it's it's so, then they, they also talk about, well, I think it's Pete with his research again, saying, he says something along the lines of, oh, oh no, it's not, it's Ken, I think, that says something around, along the lines of, you know, how women put lipstick on to oh, yeah. show up their, their blushes when they're flirting yeah, with men yeah. or something, I can't remember. Um, yeah. But it's all very like it's it's treating women as though they're a different species, as though there's something completely different. Um, very much. Whereas, so, yeah. You know, it's very much like I think if you put them lot of men in a room and said, "Oh, try on all these different suits," the men would go just as crazy and be preening themselves in front of the mirror as well. But it's maybe it's not. Such maybe, a, <laughs> maybe. I think they would. I think they would. I don't think they'd be mean, like, Woo, and all, but but yeah, there'd be some sort of. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Think they would they would. Always, you think they would? Ah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> we should get like a bunch of guys in a in a room together and sort of. But those, but those guys. Are, I mean, they wouldn't necessarily be squealing. But I'm sorry, but if you took a bunch of a bunch of guys who were like top of their game ant men, and you said, right, well, we've got a bunch of like suits in the other room and we want yeah. you to try them on and choose which one you like i mean they'd be in that like i've i've yeah, been to slaters would, would. now hang on i've t- taken my boyfriend to slaters to buy a suit to go to my brother's wedding right and you go in there and it's just <laughs> full of men running around with like suit jackets on going <laughs> absolutely batshit crazy so don't tell me yeah. that that's just a property <laughs> of women it's just because it's because it's a women woman's product and they and it's that whole research thing is that they it, it's this it's almost like they're comparing women and like faith as a, 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 an alternative faith that they that none of them possess they're almost turning that into like a we need to do a study here we need to go and talk to these people and we need to test it and it's kind of like the the i guess Hang on, and what, it's, what, what do you what are you saying? You're saying that the them with the well, there's with the, a parallel yeah, between how 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 they're all like, listen, do you speak more on? No, I don't speak more on. The only yeah. way we're going to solve this is if we test it with women. So they set up this like elaborate. They're going to go in and do this brainstorm behind this two way glass or whatever, one way glass. I don't mm-hmm. know, right? And Don does exactly that same thing. Because he goes, he mm-hmm. reads the book on, he reads the Exodus book, still can't figure out. So what does he go and do? He goes and finds oh, yeah. a woman who's Jewish to go and ask her about it and try and get the answer. Like it's it's almost exactly the same method, just done in their two sort of quite different, you know, strategies. That- but it is the whole thing is like, I don't understand this. So the only way I'm going to do it is by finding someone who does and sort of, tricking them into telling me about it what the answer is that 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 um yeah that thing you just made about um the the comparison you made between um uh essentially between consumerism and religion how the two of them are basically the same thing is it's pretty there's a there's a writing on it i can't remember who wrote it but there's a guy who's talking about exactly that same thing where um 
you know, basically, I, I've been trying not to say it, but like, I think as much as the episode is about um, utopias and like people being in the right place and all that kind of stuff, what it's really about is about ideology, right? So I think, and I think everything you said was right, really cool. Um, but I also think there's a bit in that in that scene where it's basically it's another ideology and the ideology in this case is like a totalitarian sort of state sort of thing where almost if where the show is kind of suggesting that almost if if you kind of pick one ideology and sort of concentrate on that one ideology only on its own it kind of leads to a totalitarian state where everybody like you know when they all when all the girls go into the room um uh, Joan locks the door and then there's the bit where that girl's being interviewed but it's almost like an interrogation to the point where as she's talking to her the camera keeps changing angles and you can see all the different mirrors um that are kind of reflecting this girl's face and it's mm. almost like she's kind of in some sort of interrogation chair and um and what else oh yeah and also because um Joan is uh she's Joan's like in the entire thing like out of everyone there it's almost like Joan is in control of everything it's really weird um she's because she's kind of you know the guys are standing for her um what's his name uh Roger's watching from the back and he kind of gets really upset when everyone's kind of it's almost like he has he didn't have the control that he thought he had um and he just looks really like crestfallen when she's kind of, when everyone else is like paying her attention and he's kind of in the background um and also the guys are also in there the guys like the guys and the women are also in their own utopia so like you've got this idea that um uh, the women are so happy because they get to play and put on loads of lipstick and stuff and the guys are all happy because they get to stare at women and stuff um but in both of those utopias you have this um let's say bit of alcohol or whatever like the that, that makes it less than perfect which is on the woman's side you've got uh peggy being all upset and on the male side you've got um uh, roger being upset um so it kind of that's why i like that that's why i like that um that scene is it's so great because it basically shows everything that we see in the episode um in that one sort of like 10 minute scene or five minute scene or whatever it is i think it's really really good um right, anyway I, I i have something i want to say about Peggy. Go on. <laughs> so you mentioned there that you feel like Peggy is upset. Why do you uh, feel No, no, cuz you're making a valid point you're saying that there's a reflection there and I think I think you're right in some senses. But you you are saying that you felt or you the the emotion that you recognized from Peggy was that she was upset and I'd like to know why you thought that she was upset. You know upset's probably the, the wrong word what i actually feel like she's more kind of uh, disconnected from everything she's more uh, she's looking around and she just doesn't feel like she belongs there and she doesn't want to be there and she's kind of like you not agree I, well okay so here's my peggy theory now again and for those of you who are just joining us um i haven't watched ahead so this is as far as i've got so i don't know what's going to happen in the future or anything like that but i think Peggy realises straight away what this situation is. I think she knows. I think she can probably tell from how Joan's behaving. Um, and I think that she's sitting there and she, she doesn't... To me, she doesn't look upset. She's sort of just sort of looking around. 
She looks and pensive, I, is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I think okay. that Peggy plans exactly what's going to happen later on. I think that she real she sees this as an opportunity to 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 go to the next. So I don't think that she's upset and you know what happens at the end with the basket of kisses. I think that is totally planned and that she plans that while she's sat there. Everyone else is busy being because she's almost instead of being a man on the other side of the glass, she's the man in the room because she's just watching and taking in what's happening around her. And I think that she plans it. So at the end she approaches Freddie and she says that stuff and she makes out that she's dumb because that's what to to men women are they're morons right so she says these things and she does it sort of innocently um to a point where because i mean obviously she went over boulder's brass and was like i have these ideas they wouldn't take her seriously but because she stays in her in her cage so to speak um of what how she should behave then then the men think oh it's 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 my great idea to bring her on board but actually i think that she sort of planned that all along and that she she knows that she's she she knows what her plan is here and i think a, you know a lot of people would think that she was upset because she said something along the lines of he's like oh why didn't you try on lipsticks or whatever and she's like oh the the shade that i usually usually get you know had gone or whatever and he's like oh i try never color i don't want to be one of a hundred colors in a box or whatever she says that's like beautifully said and you know i think i think there is an element of she's really thought about how she's going to approach that whole situation and she's sort of like because i mean why would she just stay at the end and like pick up the tissues otherwise you know none of the others do so i think she purposely puts herself in that situation where she makes she makes herself different um hang on did you she doesn't uh, say pick up the tissues does she She's no, no. She doesn't say pick up the tissues at the end. She's walking around with the bin and she's putting yeah. the tissues in the bin. Um, oh, she okay. Yeah, that's why she said because she's sort of got the basket of kisses and then she goes up to him oh. and she says, "Oh, here's your here's your oh, basket of kisses." Kisses. And I think she she puts herself in that situation on purpose to be able to say those lines because I think you know it, it is kind of like she she's never been completely happy with with the world as it is in that office and you know she wants more and i think I, this is the episode where she really starts to learn how to play the game i'm gonna admit um i hadn't seen it as um peggy deliberately going for that going for that however i think that the reason i think that's really interesting because i think the whole point a, a big part of this whole thing you know what's really cool or what's really interesting uh, not cool really is um when um freddie's telling don about how peggy came up with the idea and he says to her he says to don yeah it was like watching a dog play the piano mm. um i find i find that like i find that fascinating because if we go back to the idea of um uh ideologies and I think, and, and it also ties into this idea of that the, the men are sort of like absolute dicks in this episode, right? Is um, <laughs> they live in this world now where they are the men in this episode, or the the men in this world are like atop of the world, and and you know they are the leaders, they are the 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 guys in power, right? And with that power comes this almost cruel kind of way of looking at the world and they just treat people cruelly and they treat the women like absolute, like dreadfully, right? And also their whole world, their whole world, everything about it is built on this idea that women just can't do any of that stuff. 
uh, women just don't think like that. So to to Freddie Lumsden, when <laughs> when Peggy comes out with that phrase, it's like holy shit. This is like I've never seen anything like it. Do you know what I mean? It's like holy Christ. She just came up with a tagline on her own. Does that even happen? Because to them, their ideology, their w- whole way of looking at the world is that something like this would never happen. And it's it's kind of like a breakout of that. And yeah, it's just kind of, I think that kind of um, really points that out. So when you say, when you say that she did it on purpose, I think she could, yeah, when you point it out like that, she could have done, but it just never occurred to me that she would because I'm a dude. And I obviously don't think women are that bright. <laughs> but I think I think that's a it's a theme. Yeah, I mean totally. I think that that's a theme throughout the whole episode. Is is the men are always every situation there is from the very start with like, you know, from from Don and Betty in bed together with them having that conversation. You know, right the way to him and Rachel, right the way to him and Midge. There's there's an expectation from the men of how the women want to behave, right? I mean, and yeah. let's let's take Roger and Joan for an, a, an example. You know, he proposes this, oh, I'm going to put you up in a flat on your own because, you know, that would be great because then mm. I can come and visit you every, whenever I want, which he thinks in his head that is what she wants, right? And, and, and the whole way through, it's like the men do things because they think that's what the, woman, the women want them to, to do. It's kind of like, whereas I think the women in this episode are, are starting to sort of play the game a little bit more um because i mean with joan for example she knows exactly what she's doing and she sort of like knows how much her showing her butt to all the guys is gonna rile everyone up you know and i think she's she it's, it's almost like the women in this episode are taking control in very sort of in very sort of small ways um and that the, but and they're sort of like using what they know about how the men behave to sort of almost move themselves forward a little bit. Um, and it's, it's, it works out for some, but not for others. It's interesting that you talk about Joan, and we've mentioned it before, but the idea that Joan in that scene uh, is in control of everything. Because it kind of, and it, it, what you just said also reminds me of the end of the episode. Um, basically, because that's when Midge turns up. Midge turns up, like, right mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I don't know if you noticed, well, you probably did, but, like, the so the fact that Midge, with the two guys, she's basically in control of the whole situation the whole time. Yeah, but that's what exactly what I'm saying. Like, Don says, she, you know, that... that- I can't remember what that guy's name is. Like, is it Johnny? That other the beatnik guy, Roy. It's so Roy, Roy, t- yeah. Roy turns up, and and Don's like, oh no, I think I think we're gonna stay in, or I think I'd like to stay in. And then she's sort of like, oh, let's go out. I'll wear my skirt with no pants on as a kind of like, this is this will be what will make you come because she knows that's the thing to make them to make Don w- come with them. Like she knows that using that, if she'd just gone, oh well, I'm gonna go, so I'll see you later. Like that, he would have just gone off in a rage maybe I don't know but like the fact that she she uses her sex appeal to convince him to come along to do something that he really doesn't want to do um is 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 all part of it's just again it's just one way that the women in this are using what they know about the men to control them a little bit and I think you know and it's it doesn't like I say it doesn't always work because I mean with Joan for example there's a really good 
there's a moment in the first in the in when it's revealed that they're having the affair she's putting on all her clothes right she's like zip me up all that kind of stuff right she gets completely ready to leave and then he pulls her he pulls her back onto the bed again and it's it's almost like i think there is a whole thing there about the cycle of like she's almost at that point where she's like i don't want this i you know not that she doesn't want the the relationship and the nice sex and the fancy hotel she does want that but the fact that she wants to be able to walk out that room like a man would almost and not have to think about it until yeah. next time they meet um he keeps drawing her back in though i think he's trying to it's a very like they're subtle things but the fact that he doesn't let her leave and he he's constantly trying to pull her back or convince her of thing you know it's it's such an interesting dynamic in that first scene as well there's also the thing of um where joan talks about how she loves hotels because you go in with what you um you you leave with what you came in with i know um, i know i love that at the end of the episode yeah um so there's the there's a change there's a the little date that um that don and uh, rachel go on um and then a couple of scenes later we see rachel talking to her sister yes um what did you think of that um what do you think of that scene or do you want me to i think i think my i've i've talked quite a lot this episode so i'm probably just gonna say (laughs) very very quickly in summary that i i I feel like um that's the scene where we see what happens when the women do lose their control because i think we kind of you know we've seen roger starting to lose control of joan in a in a certain way because she doesn't want to be held in that cage and we've right. seen, and up until this point, Rachel has been very like, I'm not going there with Don. I'm not going there with Don. I'm not going there with Don. Yeah. And then I think you, she starts to see a bit of a like, you start to see her going, oh, well, actually, you know, I kind of like him. So, and that's her sort of starting to lose her lose control of the situation that she has done so well to resist him for so long. But um, uh, I don't know. I mean... I, I'm gonna, you know, I I, co- I have to confess that I've kind of cheated a bit here in that I um what? I, was watching, I was watching an interview with um with Matthew Weiner, uh the showrunner of the of the of the oh, what do you mean a little bit cheating? I was like so <laughs> cheating. Well, hang on, he doesn't. But this is the thing. So like I'd seen this before, and it's kind of they talk about this scene, and what he talks about in this scene is the fact that um. Uh, it's this scene and the scene before, you know, when they're on the date. And he talks about how... And what he really says about it, he doesn't really talk about anything. He doesn't really talk about the the show. He talks about how he found... It, the reason the, these scenes are in the show is because he... When he, when he thinks about being... Because he's Jewish. And when he thinks about being Jewish in America, what he thinks about is the fact that they continue with these um uh traditions these jewish traditions they sort of they wear certain clothes they um they see they you know they recognize certain holidays they um speak in a certain way but really they're still american they don't you know they don't eat all the foods that they have to eat all the time they kind of and it's like a mixture of the two and it's like it's a blending of um Mm this um you know the western way of thinking and the jewish way of thinking and i think the reason he says that and he never really makes it explicit he never says this is what the show is about but what it's it it goes back to that idea of ideology and it goes back to the idea of uh, joan controlling those two rooms 
where she's kind of she's got a foot in one room where she's like shaking her ass at um uh, Roger and she's got the foot in the other room where she's telling um you know she's even like telling the doctor like you know you can't tell me what to do I'm just gonna walk around here like I own the place and the same thing with um with Midge where she's got basically like you say she's got um she's got um Roy on one hand who's kind of offering to take them all out to go and see this play and then she's got Don who's basically paying for everything and she's just kind of like picking what she wants from both of them and I think and also when you think about I know we're not going to go too much into the the whole Jewish thing, the whole Israel thing, because I don't know that much about it either. But really, they have, they say in the show that basically um, the whole the Jewish people they don't really have a specific place to call home. It's all an idea, so they kind of have to move around and kind of be adaptive to their surroundings and just kind of take on. Th- they can't. They don't. They don't focus on one thing they can focus on you know they can take a bit from here and a bit from there and and still remain true to themselves because what what the the real idea of the self is this thing that you don't um lock onto you know it's like um like peggy was saying lipsticks or whatever she wants to be herself and all these other oh and the whole point of, of judaism is they don't they don't lock onto one ideology they kind of their whole thing is to is to be themselves is to just kind of take from what they are and then just be make make that um enhance who they are as opposed to them becoming another thing does that does that make sense or am i just kind of literally i sound like i feel like i'm just kind of blurting random words out i mean it's it's a tough one because i think there's so much in there like about because i think you're right in that you're saying you know especially about the whole blending it's almost like um I don't want to say, I almost don't want to say like washing down of it, but it's, it's, it could be considered in some senses an evolution. And like one of the things that is sort of picked up a pot, you know, I mean, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this because it's your favorite thing to mention, but the episode is called Babylon. Babylon. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that a lot of this is about, I mean, it's kind of what we've said about the place like Israel exists. She's never, yeah. I think she says she's never been there. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's enough that it exists as a place for them yeah. to be how they are, and it's almost like that. This whole thing, if it's enough that they were born Jewish to make them Jewish, they don't have to be there. Yeah. They don't have to be doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do, or like all that the perception is no, that you would do. But you know, no, because that 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 would then be that would then be perfection. That would then be them in that place. But that's what the i think what the show is saying is that that thing is like like um rachel says um it's uh the place that cannot be it's it's an, it's an impossibility to be perfect so everything is going to be watered down everything's going to have a little bit of mud in it and won't be perfect um we should talk about the actual the name babylon code though you're right i totally forgot to talk about that um so because th- i think the thing about the, the the name babylon is um uh, well, you've got the the whole idea of Israel first. Israel's an interesting thing because I didn't realize that Israel, um, the actual country of Israel, was invented in I think it was 1958. It was like that's when that actual country that we now call Israel was created. As far as I know, I could be totally wrong, and um, there might be people out 
to kill us. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, as far as I know, um, from what I read, the actual, the physical country we now call Israel was um, created in 1958. Uh, yeah, I think it was that. And, um, but obviously Israel's been around since, you know, Bible times and whatever. Um, and what's really interesting about the term, the, the fact that it's called Babylon is Babylon was this uh, huge city. Uh, oh God, I can't remember what it was now. Damn it, I didn't write it down. Um, the, Babylon was this massive, massive city in, in biblical times. And it was actually considered to be, uh, it's actually through all these different, like Rastafarians and um, I think even Israel Israelites, a kind of, as much as we all talk about it as this like amazing city, it's actually supposed to uh, represent almost like commercialism at its worst, where it's like a huge, huge city and everyone's like, you know, um, cheating everyone else and like no one's got time for anyone and it's just a horrible, horrible place. But what the reason I think it, it came up in this episode is not because it's a great place to aspire to, but because it's a copy of a great place. Does that make sense? The great place being Israel. Um, in fact, so in fact, the the song at the end of the episode, um, you know, the song that they're they're playing, uh, yeah, has the lyrics. Um, uh, the lyrics go: "By the waters of Babylon, we lay down and wept for thee, Zion." So Zion is um, actually the actual place that they're from, uh, and we remember Zion, and it's kind of so. I think, and it never, again, it's one of those things where they, it, it's heavily hinted at, but they never state explicitly. The whole point is that um, Israel or Zion or whatever is the real place that these guys are from. It's like this real, the, the Jewish people are from. It's like the place that they, that they truly love, but they don't really have that reference point. All they really have is this reference point of Babylon, which is a real thing. And they kind of have to make do with that. And this is kind of, it's also referenced in, um, you know, earlier on in the episode uh, where you see Don reading the book. Mm. So it's called the book that he's reading is called Rona. It's Rona Jeffries, Rona Jeffes, The Best of Everything. And that book is famous uh, for being the first, I think it was like the first adaptation that was turned into a movie or something. It was, it was so, it was basically um, made, adapted into a film. Uh, before it's like one of the very first movies to, to to do that and then it also got turned into a tv show later on so it's like two different copies of this original thing and don says about that book like this book so oh, well actually i think it's betty that says it she says that the book's so much better than the film and don said it's always oh, dirtier and stuff and he's really into it but um yeah. yeah i think i think it kind of i think that um illustrates what they're trying to say about the way people look at Babylon as um, this place that's a copy of the place that they want to be, but they just have to make do. So it's not perfect. It's not utopia. It's just as close to utopia as they're going to get. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's very, very subtle. Bit. I think it's there. I don't know what you think. I think, no, I think it's, I think it's important to sort of, so you know i think there is something to be learned there and i think the thing the thing to be learned is about um what we've sort of already talked about which is kind of like 
the well, identity it's, 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 and and the places that we're how we're connected to those places and um, whether those places are what they say they are and you know those yeah. sorts of things. Well, it all sort of it all leads well it all leads back to the beginning of the episode, doesn't it? Where um, you know Don's making breakfast and he's walking up the stairs and he slips and he smashes his and he falls back and like goes into that um, that flashback and he sees his brother being born and his brother's being born it's really weird because it's like his brother's being born into this perfect thing where he's loved and everyone cares about him and don's in exactly the same place and he hates it he even says like it's like to him like it's weird because like for that baby it's almost like that baby's christ and all those people are standing around it and it's like you know do you know the birth of christ sort of thing and then but, his it, mom... is, but it is it is a bit like that because she says oh we're naming him adam after the first man yeah, and it's like yeah. well technically Don is the first man. Exactly. But he he isn't. They totally ignore him. And they totally... And then, like, Don says that thing about those people screaming in in his face. Like, he's literally in hell at the same time that this kid is in uh, in heaven. And I I, I guess that goes back to that idea of um, utopias and dystopias where, you know, we can both look at the same thing and we can both see totally different things from it. It's also like with um, uh, Roger talking about his daughter... um, and how they both had a really similar upbringing and they're both spoiled, but Roger's kind of really happy and like sort of loves life. And um, his daughter hates everything about exactly the same thing. It's kind of those two, um, the way they look at the world and their their own sort of uh, reading of everything, their own ideologies, if you want, to kind of lead them to a different place and a different kind of understanding of things. Um yeah, it's kind of, I feel like this is the thing. So I feel like ideologies are kind of uh, weird uh, in that they, um, uh, hang on a second. So I was just getting a phone call. Um, ideologies are weird in that they, uh, they they mean different things to different people. And um, yeah, I, I really like that though. I really like that, that introduction in the beginning. Can I ask you a question actually? Okay. So this is something, and I don't, uh, if anybody's listening um, and you kind of have an idea of this, could you get in touch with us? Um, all the, all, I've set up all the stuff now, so we've got Twitter and all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. Uh, <laughs> but the, I, I've got a question where, like, what did you think of the balloon? Oh my gosh. So do you know, like, what a red balloon symbolizes? I have no idea. This is why you're here, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> so if i recall correctly from my um a level english um yeah. like a red balloon or it's, it's something to do with um it being it in itself is sort of like it's happiness and it's comfort and it's like all good okay. things oh, wow. but then okay, obviously okay. there's the symbolism uh, uh, that comes with a red balloon of the balloon yeah. obviously bursting which is when that is destroyed. However, we don't see the red balloon burst. We see it disappear into another room. So we don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's a lot of subtle things. Like, so I w- wanted to say to you about that first scene, right? Yeah. One of the things that like, because they did this whole thing at the beginning where, you know, he's, he's made of the breakfast. He goes and he like sifts through the newspaper, which, I, you know, I'm guessing he was trying to p- pick out the parts. I wasn't sure if he was reading it or he was taking it up for her or like what the deal was with that. But anyway, 
I think yeah. one of the things that, that first of all that struck me is why didn't he see the toy when he was going down the stairs and okay. move it? <laughs> I mean, that might be that might be absolute might mean absolutely nothing, and it might just be me like totally overanalyzing it. But it's sort of like in order to to be where he was, he needed to move down the stairs. At which point, he could have seen the toy, and either he chose not to move it, or he he didn't notice it then but the fact that he was reading the newspaper as he was going upstairs and he wasn't paying attention and that's when he was he was blindsided by the memory of his past and it's almost like i, I think it it was like, it was sort of like i think there's a reason for that which i don't really know what it right. is but i kind of I, feel I a little bit like because i mean that could he could have just had a flashback they didn't need to go through that whole like, yeah no charade. totally i agree i don't know what and, that was all about the and only I feel thing like I- the the only thing I can say about that is um when so when he wakes when when he sort of comes to uh, it's really weird that he you see him look at himself and then he looks up doesn't I think he says Happy Mother's Day to to Betty or something and it's kind of like again it's that the only this is all I get from it is the the fact that at that moment you know Betty's it's Betty's special day she's got all this great stuff everyone's happy for her and everything and at the same time don's just sitting there in glass on his ass just kind of surrounded by smashed like do you know what i mean he's kind of like in this um, really sort of sad place um that's all that's all i got from it but i i i get i agree that there's there's got to be something else going on there i don't know what it is i've watched it over and over i'm trying to like work out like i don't know why they put this in I mean, this is insane, right? So I'm just, I just wanted to look up that my description of the red balloon was accurate, <laughs> right? Go on. Okay. So the first thing that crops up is the red balloon signifies how fragile love and happiness can be, but with, but it also the ease with which a balloon can be burst and the love and happiness can end. Something in there, yeah. <laughs> it it def it definitely means something. So. Um... One of the things that, so this is a red balloon, it kind of is obviously very, um, uh, it stands out, it's very evocative and it kind of, it has to mean something. But the, the, the what, what's big about it, is, what, what's interesting about it is obviously it's a red balloon. It's like bright red and all the way through the episode, there's all these other sort of nods to red. Um, I don't know if you caught them. So obviously I did there's not. Joan who's, so basically She's always Joan, red though. Jones, yes, Joan. Joan literally is red. Um, she's got red hair and everything, but she wears two different red dresses through the whole episode. The little book that Don's reading, mm. um, the best of everything, that's red. Um, the, the the girl at the end who does the poetry when they tell her to take off her top, her top's kind of pinkish, reddish. You know what else is red, Furla? Go on. Lipstick. Yes, yes, yes. I was about to say that. <laughs> Do I get a point? The basket. You get a point, Yay. well done. <laughs> and a round of applause. Um, even the girl who is interrogated, um, she's she's not in red, she's in pink. And um, I think a big a big sort of flashing light is the fact that Rachel's also in pink as well. So it's obviously like a massive, there's obviously something there and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's got something to do with... Um, so let's, if we, let's look at these things. So like the red balloon... Don't really know what to say about that just yet. But Joan in red, she's in control of a lot of situations here. But at the end, she's also in a big cage, right? She's kind of 
we see her through the through the view of the cage and like the bird and everything and it looks like she's in the cage with the bird um the poetry girl the poetry girl is interesting because she basically does this whole poetry thing about you know she's in love with um the fidel castro oh, yeah and she's sleeping with Fidel, and it's like you know very well it's obviously she's very very into communism and very very sort of like marxist or whatever but at the same time when she finishes the thing someone in the audience shouts out take off your top and she does and she kind of like almost like giving into market forces like in a very kind of uh capitalist kind of way someone demands it so she does it right mm. um the bas the basket of the basket of kisses um full of red sort of kisses that's kind of like um it's so that's how that's how peggy gets promoted is by coming up with this um slogan this advertising slogan so that could also be seen as um yeah it could also be seen as a kind of nod towards um uh what's it called um capitalism right because she's using it i know that this is kind of i'm going way out there i'm just kind of like spitballing but um the the basket of kisses could be seen as a representative of capitalism uh the girl interrogated in the in in that scene in the um in the the, the market the marketing scene um she's wearing pink and i don't understand that one so she's kind of well i guess she's kind of she represents almost like the consumer right well she's, the pink and red aren't the same they're not the same and this is the thing so they're not the same but red is essentially like a much more intense version of pink right but then you, would you but, agree with that yes but then you could also say that oh pink is a diluted version of red maybe i i mean i, I don't know if we're going a little bit <laughs> i think i think OTT, are, to be because i mean let's okay because <laughs> let's look at things that aren't red right so the men are never red scene when betty and donna talking betty talks about the um the boy that kissed her the jewish boy oh yeah and um what i like about that is um he basically she basically suggests that the guy kissed her because she was the only non-jewish girl in that building or, or the bus or whatever and um again i'm cheating a bit but in the interview that um that matthew wino um was was doing someone asked him uh you know what do what what do you think about what Betty says about that and he, and he says well it's I think it's really interesting that um she Betty says that this boy's really sad and he goes I imagine that Betty was probably really sad as well and I feel like that's his way of saying that look I think one of the united themes of this entire show is the fact that you know when you look at the relationship between Don and Rachel the um the sort of like illicit kind of affair one of the reasons that Don is a is attracted to Rachel, and Don, and the reason Don's attracted to a lot of women, as as we will find during the the course of the show, is that he tends to go for these sad women. He tends to go for like really sort of like people that he can kind of look after. Do you know what I mean? Sort of like um, almost like an attraction to that sadness of his own, and that's kind of what the first episode was about, where you know the two of them are sort of attracted to each other because. They, they recognize that sadness in each other and that all that is to just say that um i think the um 
the uh what betty what betty says the reason the fact that betty says this boy kissed her because she wasn't jewish is wrong and the reason he kissed her is because like him she was he was sad too and what's interesting about that is the fact that she then tells this story she, she then goes on to say that all the girls were really jealous of her but the next week all those girls were blonde and it's almost like that what what we what that kind of symbolizes is this idea of ideologies sort of being baked out of sort of the lie they're just kind of they convince themselves that the reason that um the reason this boy kissed betty was because she was you know blonde haired and blue eyed and not because she was sad and it's a whole thing like so this whole idea of race and how that works is kind of like touched upon so wait so that's what he said in an interview that's what matthew he didn't say all of that (laughs) he just said he just said the fact that he thinks that the boy kisses best betty because she's sad i mean i mean if i had a buck for every time a boy would kiss me because i was sad um no i mean (laughs) but it's it's a delude it's the things it's the things that we tell each ourselves isn't it because i think that she you know maybe he knew that as the as the writer but um i don't think her character her character clearly thought that the reason that they kissed was because because she says like he's following me around the whole night and like it's yeah. to her it's it, it's yeah exactly he she she remembers it as this romantic this romantic conquest that he thought that she was the prettiest yeah. girl of the party and then all the all the other girls dyed their hair blonde because they wanted to attract the good looking guy at the party as well which is perfectly normal yeah, exactly. logic right and i think that you can say you can yeah, say exactly. you well, can, that's, that's, that's what Ma- that's what he says right and that's fine to say oh well it's probably because she was sad we don't know that from this and i would say well, yeah I, I would say yes there is something about ideology there but that's also kind of normal human behavior like someone some one guy on on a street gets a fancy car another guy suddenly goes well i want a fancy car too cuz currently that guy exactly, is exactly exactly that's the point that's that's how that whole that's how um capitalism works it works on this idea that um you know we see somebody has something and we kind of give it value based on a bunch of logical things in our heads that mean nothing so like the guy with the car he sees someone else with the car he thinks that car's gonna make him happy like the guy that he thinks is in the car but obviously it's not it's just a car it's just like it's it's a thing that has no real value and the girls kind of dye their hair blonde because they think that this boy is going to fancy them but the reason he possibly the reason he fancies uh betty in the first place has got nothing to do with the color of her hair and it changes everything and it it, it's how sort of um communism uh capitalism works it's like no totally a bunch of no, I get. I, I'm with you now. I'm with you now. I'm, I get what you're saying, right? So with the whole lipstick thing, that's really interesting because then they're sort of saying the reason they don't want to. When she's asking those questions about like, do you change your lipstick with the season or like whatever, it's like women don't know that information because yeah. that information is almost fed to them unconsciously. Because it's sort of like for me, it's like oh, I would yeah, sort yeah. of be like, oh, I like what that model's wearing, so I'm gonna buy that. Like, wouldn't 
You know, it's not so much something... I just, you don't think about it that much. It's yeah. not a choice. That I, I haven't sat there and gone, right, well, I really want to try a new lipstick and I'm going to get this. I probably see it on something else and then I go, oh, I'm going to try that because that person has it or it's on that advert and I really like how that looks. And, you know, that I wouldn't necessarily go as far as like, oh, that model's with a sexy man. I'm going to get her lipstick because I want a sexy man. But, you know, it, it's, it's very... I can see what you're saying and I think you're right. That trails through the whole... The whole episode, yeah. It's through the whole show. It's in. It's in the. It's in the very first scene of the of the show with uh, when Don's interviewing that um, African American guy, and he's asking him why did you why did you buy those cigarettes? And the guy's like, I don't know. I didn't think about it. Do you know what I mean? It's the same sort of thing where he's kind of advertising. Essentially, has given him like um, capitalism has given him a reason to buy this thing, and he's never really thought about it. And that's. And it's weird because uh, Marx. I've, I've, I've even mentioned Karl Marx. Yeah, you have. Today. Yeah, not today. I'm, okay, okay, okay. So, so Karl Marx basically his whole thing was. I think it was him that kind of. No, I didn't mention Karl Marx. I was talking about someone else. No, no, I said you haven't so today. Karl Marx. Yeah, yeah. So, so Karl Marx. Um, basically, I think he came. I think I'm not 100 percent sure. Like I said, if anyone. If anyone knows for sure, can you give us a call and let us know? Um, I think Karl Marx came up with the notion of um, ideology. I think it was him. Um, and even if he didn't, he did sort of notice a couple of things about the way people work and the way capitalism works and the fact that we all accept capitalism to be this way. And he really wanted to change that. He wanted to sort of like make it so it's a bit more fair that ended up becoming communism, which doesn't really work for everyone because um, obviously like the scene, um, like the totalitarianism scene, you get people who are in control and then they're just, the people in control have all the power and stuff. So it never, it never really seems to work out that well, but there's ideas here. There's, there's things that he thought like, so he thought that um, if you have um, in capitalism, one of the big problems with capitalism and it's kind of seen in Peggy is that um, in modern work, it's just very alienating. You don't get to, you don't get to be a person. You become a thing within a system, and you don't get to express your own personality. So that's why, when um, they're talking about um, when the guys um, Don and Freddie are all talking about um, uh, Peggy, you can see Peggy sitting at a desk. Someone brings a bunch of um, papers over to her and they plump them down on her desk and she just looks, she just looks so miserable. I don't know, she looks miserable to me. You probably tell me she doesn't. I mean, I think but, she um, looks ecstatic <laughs> to have been given a massive pile of work to do. Because wouldn't you be? <laughs> and this is just, and that's just before they, they give her the promotion. Um, so that's kind of, so yeah, so, and then the, obviously the new sort of work that she does is kind of... Uh, she doesn't get a pay rise for it and another thing that Karl Marx said was that workers get paid little while capitalists get rich and that's another problem with uh capital with the whole capitalist society and 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 the way of capitalism and uh, also the the other thing that I noticed uh that kind of nods to Karl Marx in this episode uh is the reason um the reason Rachel agrees to have dinner with Don is Don says to her, it's about business. And um, business has come up before. I think it came up in the third episode. 
Um, and it's kind of, and Karl Marx, and I didn't realize this at the time, but Karl Marx kind of said that he saw marriage as a business and that people, like it's also said in the episode that uh, I think Rachel says that people don't marry for love anymore. People marry for convenience. They marry because they, you know, for, they marry for status. They marry for money. They marry to sort of like consolidate any businesses they have. They marry to keep, um, you know, um, families afloat. And, and the whole point of Karl Marx's sort of ethos and things is like nobody really cares about feelings anymore. They don't care about becoming whole human beings. They just want to kind of sort of win this capitalist game. Um, so I feel like the whole episode is basically not necessarily about capitalism and and um, capitalism and communism, but it's about these different ideologies. Um, another kind of nod to that, and I think we probably should leave it up. Uh, up, up, up. I um, have more to say. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. All right, let me finish. Let me just finish what I'm saying, and then I'll sort of give it to you. Um, but the one thing I want to say is that um, the ending, all this talk about capitalism and, and socialism and stuff, um, it's really, I think it's obviously um, the two guys that Midge is, ends up going to this, um, this play with basically um, uh, refer to both capitalists and um, um, socialist sort of ideals. Where you've got Don as the capitalist sort of, the, the winner of the capitalist game sort of thing. He's got all the money and he pays for the drinks and everything. And then you've got Roy, who's this kind of socialist guy who's sort of building this thing up together to make this um, this play work. And it's kind of like, yeah, the two of them clash. And uh, yeah, there's other things as well, but I won't bother going into them. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> you go ahead. What do you want to say? I mean, I just wanted to say, pick up i mean you know i couldn't get a word in edgeways i was i would have said it earlier sorry i know i, I just <laughs> it's okay I just, I just went on a big massive turn, no no Fola, i love it i think it's i think it's really interesting but you I, I, you got me quite excited because i was thinking you were you were talking and then i kind of was thinking actually you could take what we're saying and go one step even further you know to say yeah. that who you know we talked a lot about ideologies but as admin aren't they constructing a lot of these ideologies themselves? So it's quite like, there's there's almost like a whole overarching thing there of, of that they're creating these these ideologies that they're almost putting onto things. Um, and, and they're the ones, and, and then I, I just happened to, and you know, everyone don't laugh at me, but basically I just I just looked up Babylon. I, wa- I was listening, Fola, but I also thought I'd look up Babylon. Um, and the, and and like the third, the third link that came up was from Urban Dictionary, which we know is a very reliable source. Um, and apparently Babylon is um, the state, the system, particularly when corrupt or author, authoritarian. I can never say that word. Uh, also, the po- also the police, as they are the agents of the threat of force that the state derives its power from. And it's actually... Um, it's a it's a Rastafarian word apparently. Um, it is a Rastafarian word. Yes. See, I I didn't I did not know that. So you know, I think um, used to indicate a strong and powerful yet corrupt and an immoral place. So you're probably right about about what it all means. And you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> just just don't listen to me. Just listen to Fola. He clearly knows what I'm talking about. However, I did also just want to say that the end of this episode was so sad. It was like... You didn't like it? What? No, no, it was sad in that... 
Oh, sad. It, Sorry, no, it no, no, no. It was so sad. Like it. There's. There, there's. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm the emotional sort as well. But this show, so so far, right. it doesn't make me sad. It makes me mad mostly. Um, <laughs> right. But I feel okay. like this was the first scene where I actually felt a lot of of sympathy, and I actually felt like it was for Joan a very sad moment that she almost accepted her fate as a canary in a cage and accepted that you know as much as she could try and take control that she wasn't gonna win no she kind of um well it's like she said she she left with what she came in with which was nothing and um but she didn't she didn't she she, no no she did because she left with the canary she didn't arrive with the canary but she left with the canary she left with the cage Okay. <laughs> but then, that okay. Kind of, that killed everything I just thought, it? Yeah, because it's like, because it's like she um, was in the cage and then she accepted the cage. And I mean, I don't know if again, I don't know what happens, but I'm assuming that means that she agreed to comply with what Roger wanted. I don't know. No spoilers, um, but I will say that um, no, she, she she leaves. She does. She leaves. What, when I say she left with nothing, what I mean is she left with nothing of any kind of importance. And yes, you can say that the bird is important, but it's not. It's just a bird, right? <laughs> she didn't leave with anything. She didn't leave with. She didn't leave expanding her mind. She didn't. She left with a present, and that's. And and the present is essentially a capitalist sort of, um, you know, a, a, a thing, a, a, a tangible thing that you can touch and you can no, Fola. Oh my god, are we gonna have to argue? We're gonna have to argue about this at the very end of the episode, right? Yeah. So the bird. So he says <laughs> yeah, to yeah. her in the first conversation about how he wants yeah. her to move up into you know a fourth floor apartment. She says, "No, I don't want to do that because I'll be lonely." So he suggests buying her a bird as a gift so she won't be lonely, right? So my yeah. my interpretation of this is that he's bought her the bird because he wants her to go and live on her own in this fourth story apartment where he can come and see her wherever she wants she doesn't have a housemate or you know so i think for me her her uh, leaving with the bird was her giving up her freedom and her giving into that, yeah. okay, into yeah, that. I and i think that's why it was sad because it's almost like that whole like she's she is going to be sat at home with a bird now rather than having fun with her friend or her housemate yeah. who's really neat yeah okay okay but she didn't have to take the bird is the point. Like if she'd left with nothing, she still would have left with her freedom because she wouldn't have accepted it. But she accepted the bird. So she left with something. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay. See what I mean? Okay. So she likes the hotel rooms because she goes with nothing and she leaves with nothing because she left with something. It's the end of that happy shag fest time in the wall okay, of Astoria. Yeah. I get you. I t- I t- I totally get that. I get. I totally agree with you. I think you're right. Um, <laughs> All right. What else was I gonna say? Are we winding up? Oh now? Uh, no! One more thing. One more thing. <laughs> we are winding up. But I just want to say one thing about the because um, it's interesting. You brought up that Babylon thing because that Babylon that Babylon description that you brought up. I, I can't believe I didn't realize it at the time. But that's and I I said that the um, the the marketing meeting the. Um, where they try and where they're trying on the lipstick, I said that that was a totalitarian thing. Yeah, it's clearly a Babylon thing. So, so I just wanted to just wanted to point that out. Yeah, 
so I guess the only thing left to say is that um, I have to give Fola all the credit for this because I haven't done any of it, but that we now have a whole bunch <laughs> of uh, social media and places where you can get in touch with us. We'll put them in the bio. We will put them in the bio. Yeah, it's something around old-fashioned at break, breakdown.com and stuff like that. And the email's there and the Twitter and the Facebook and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And uh, yeah, get in touch with us uh, when, 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 when you can. Abby, uh, we'd love to hear. From I you. really want to know what you think about uh, the bird, everyone. <laughs> yes. Oh, there's one more thing. One more thing before we go. Before we go. Oh my in god. That, um, in that Babylon scene. In that Babylon scene, um, we get a point where the only thing. So there's a, like a, a there's a really quick shot of the ceiling, and it's of the ceiling lights. And the only reason I mentioned this is because you're so obsessed with that fly in the ceiling lights. I feel like that's kind of pointing towards that. But anyway. We can move on. We can forget about it. And I'll just say that don't forget everyone. It's a really good show. <laughs> but Sopranos is better. Uh, goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.